Good afternoon with Dennis Fithian, Detroit Sports Podcast. Pod number 14. A special all-star weekend sit-in. We're going to try something new. A, A bunch of guests that I have met one way or another in radio. And we will kick things off. And we will bring in Raj in Pontiac, who I met on the Detroit Airwaves, and he joins me right now. Raj, how are you? I'm good. Dennis, how's it going, man? Ah, it's going pretty good. You know, just just you know, trying to work every day through uh, this, uh, you know, this new reality. And how you doing? I'm good. Just over here with John, man. I, I need sports back. I need, I need some live sports, man. They're showing all these reruns on the TV. I mean, it's cool and stuff, but man, I, I I'm ready to get back in the flow of things, man. I, I miss it. Yeah, I do too, and we might be able to get it in early July. We might not get it even in the fall, but maybe, you know, so be optimistic. And you, So you do watch a little bit of uh, of uh, classic games or, or listen to some classic games? You've done a little bit of that? Yeah, some of them. Or, you know, I, I go back and watch a lot of um, highlights from the NFL games, certain games, and, yeah, stuff of that nature. I watch a lot of – you read the articles, and I like watching draft videos. And yet, yeah, yesterday I was watching M- old MLB fights. So, <laughs> yeah. well, it's, it was, the, it's the great it thing. Funny, about- I watched the um, I watched the, the Gary Sheffield and um, I forgot the pitcher's name. He fought when uh, they played the Indians. I don't yeah. remember that one. I do remember that one. Uh, I, I was at that game. He pointed the bat out there. Was it? Uh, oh, you were there. I think I was uh, Carrasco. I think, or you know. I, I think so. That was at Comerica. I believe I was. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was awesome. You know, the one thing about YouTube, you could punch up, you can get the entire games of college football, but the pro games, they don't give you the entire game. But like you're saying, they do give you a pretty healthy, like 15 minutes of a, you know, hour long game. And, you know, they, they, you, you get a pretty good feel of what happened. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I watched um, USC. Notre Dame from 2005, the the Reggie Bush, the Bush push game. That's what I watched last yeah, night. But yeah, but I'm with you, man. I I, uh, I I'm waiting and and, and hoping, and uh, mostly I'm I'm throwing up those games when I'm doing something else. It's just kind of a distraction. But I know I know you like pro football. I know you like the Lions. We've talked an awful lot about them, and I haven't heard what you you thought about what they did in the draft. What'd you think? Yeah, I thought they. Uh, I thought they put together a, a, a very solid draft. You know, I, I give it a you know a, a B plus A minus. You know, uh, I like I like Okuda. You know, he, I believe he's going to come in and start right away. You know, obviously you, you would you would like to have seen them trade back and not take the corner at three, but it, it was a good pick. He, uh, he should come in. I feel as though their first four picks, they're, they're all going to be starters eventually. Okuda, Swift in the second round, Okwara in the third round. And Jonah Jackson, I feel as though at some point in the season, all those guys can become starters. So I thought they really hit the mark in the in the first three rounds. Now I think they got value in the, even in the later rounds. Uh, Penicini, the D tackle out of Utah. Uh, you got the other D tackle out of Ohio State. They they needed depth amongst the defensive line. You know you got to always have fresh bodies rotating in and out. And I, I thought they did a good job late adding uh, depth. And uh, the, the running back Huntley out of New Mexico State. He seems like a really fast guy. He kind of remind me of a, a theoretic kind of guy. A guy, you know, third down more for the, the passing game, special teams, return punts, return kicks. I, I thought they put together a very solid draft. I, I, I liked it. Yeah, I did too. You know, the kid you're talking about out of New Mexico State, Huntley, uh, in McKissick, you know Bevel likes to run those uh, those end arounds with, with fast backs. And I, I definitely, you know, he's a burner, so I can see that. And, I'm with you on, on the first four, and really it, it extends. I mean, if, if Jonah Jackson or the kid they got out of uh, the guard out of Kentucky, Logan Stenberg, if, if either of those guys, if they're able to put them in and they're starters and, you know, they, they're able to get um, they're able to get one, out of one of those guys, able to get a productive uh, right guard, that will be a thumbs up for Bob Quinn. And, yeah, the only thing for me, and when you're picking up that high, you, you should get good players, and, you know, they did. That thing – you know, going back, I, I sure wish they would have talked to Matt Stafford right after the season and said when they knew they were going to be picking number three and they would have said, look, Matt, we are going to 
we are going to really act like we're taking a quarterback. We are trying to drive this price up all day long. But just know this, you know, we're doing it just to get other picks. You're still our guy. And then they really didn't need to go get Chase Daniel either. If they wouldn't have gotten him, because there were a lot of, you know, a lot of QBs out there that could have been had, you know, for cheap and actually cheaper than Daniel. They could have just sat back. And then if they didn't have a backup quarterback – and they would have been letting it known that, hey, they're open, not only open for business, but they're thinking about, uh, you know, looking to the future and put that out there. I'm sure that they would have been able to pick up uh, another selection from the Dolphins, that that early second round pick. But, you know, other than that, I mean, it, that's complaining about that. And I think it's it's valid, but I'm with you. I like I like the other picks. Yeah, they they, they should have sold it more that they, they were leaning more towards two. And I think they would have. Miami would have been more adamant about moving up to get their guy because they had multiple picks in the first round, but they just didn't do a good job of studying. They, they showed no indication that they were interested or even thinking about taking the quarterback. And, uh, yeah, the, the Chase Daniels signing, I didn't like that signing at all. You know, it seemed like as soon as free agency opened, they rushed and signed him, gave him three years. And, he, you know, if Stafford gets hurt again, I, I, just, I don't think Daniels – they. I mean, he's an upgrade over Driscoll, but I just don't think he's that good. If Stafford got hurt again and Chase Daniel had to come in and take over, I think he's stink the place up. I don't think they're, I don't think he's that much of an up, upgrade if he if he has to take over the ranks. No, if we've he's only still going to suck. We've only seen him play a handful of games. He's been a real clipboard Jesus in his career, making money there. But really, if they would have just sat back, and I know the Red Rifle has a home in Dallas, and he played at TCU, so you know he went to the Cowboys there. Uh, but you know he he was cheaper. Would I rather have Dalton or Daniels? I mean, I, I think everybody would would want Dalton. It's the same thing with Winston. Like, um, you know, Winston w- was cheap too, and yeah, that he wanted to go and 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 maybe get a chance to to take over for the Saints. But it's only a one year deal there, and I know Sean Payton is much more of a respected coach, won a Super Bowl than, than Matt Patricia, but. You know, there was a chance that, you know, the Lions, if they would have been able to sit back. But, you know, the one part that that screwed them was, uh, of course, this pandemic that teams couldn't go in and and get a real feel for Tua. And that just that just dropped his uh, stock a little bit enough where teams didn't want to come up and, you know, pay a bounty to get him. You know, that hurt him, too. So a couple combinations there, but uh, overall pretty good for him. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I, I I thought they moved a little too quick on Chase Daniel. They they should have uh, just waited a second and you know let let Fredsy play out a little more. But they, I mean, as far as on paper though, everything looks good. I, I really like what they did in the draft. I think you know DeAndre Swift was a great value in the second round. I thought he was going to go at the end of the first. I thought the Chiefs were going to take him with that last pick and for us to you know get him in the second round. I thought that was a very good pick. I think he, I think at some point in the season he'll he'll take over. You know. He'll, he'll, he'll end up starting over carry-on. I, I think he'll take over the duties. And, uh, you know, free agency, you know, they had some good guys. Reggie Ragland, the linebacker. The, the trade for Deron Harmon, the safety from New England. They got Geronimo Allison, uh, the receiver from Green Bay. Desmond Trufant, the corner. Danny Shelton, uh, Vitae, the, the old tackle from, you know, Philly. You know, plus the good draft. It, on paper, you know, on paper, it looks really good. I, I like what they've done so far, but that's just paper. We, you know, we, you know, the we know they just can't get out their own way, so we'll, we'll see if they can, it translates on the field. That's right. The, the paper lions. Uh, Raj, you're right about that. Having said that, I did go through their schedule, and I came up with just that, you know, the, the first blush, first, you know, just going through it, wins and losses, and I came up with, with nine wins, but, you know, I've been uh, bullish before on them, and then I've seen them play in the preseason, and I've dropped them a game or two, but, you know, the, the 1.0 prediction, I think nine wins. I, you know, if everything fell into place, I think that could happen. What about you? Yeah, I, I went over the schedule. I, I think 79, 88. I, best case scenario was 8 and 8 for me. I, I didn't really, I don't see nine, 10 wins, them being a playoff team. And it's, and, it, and it's funny that, you know, Bob Quinn gets rid of Caldwell. It says 97 is not good enough, but here we are a couple <laughs> years later. Nine and seven, possibly saving you and Patricia job. <laughs> it's, it's funny how the table turn on that. Nothing more ironic than nine and seven wasn't good enough, but uh, ironically, this year it could be for both of those guys. Well, well, hey Raj, we have to do this again. It's great talking with you, and it was just like being back, uh, you know, on a on a Thursday night, you know, chopping it up. So all the best to you. I know you're uh, you're on the lookout to get into the business and. 
Uh, hopefully that's going to be able to happen when everything clears up and, and you know, people are, are, are looking for sports again. Yeah, absolutely, man. Yeah, it was, it was great talking to you, man. Wish you all the best in the podcast and just all future endeavors, period. You know, all love my way. Yeah, yeah, same thing. Be good. We'll talk soon. Thanks for leading this off, man. You were awesome. All right, thanks, man. Have a good one. All right, you too. There he is, Raj and Pontiac. First up here on the podcast, and uh, we are going to – now, I decided that I was just going to do this straight away, and here, let's just dial up our next uh, guest. We're heading out to Lansing, Lansing, Michigan. Of course, you knew that. What's up, big time? Hey, here he is, the fake dot man, Mark in Lansing, <laughs> joining me here on the podcast. Uh, what's going on, Mark? <laughs> Nothing, man. I'm yeah. looking forward to talking to you. That's what's going on. Yeah, well, I'm looking forward to talking with you. You know, there there have been a few times over the years that I've just been sitting back and, and talking with you. We've been going back and, you know, talking about, you know, yesteryear of basketball or football or whatever. And I, I was just imagining, like, man, this is good content, man. I wish I was recording this. And, you know, uh, now I am. So it's good. And, you know, Mark, I wanted to ask you, like, you're in Lansing, but – you know, you, you've been in this area, I believe, your whole life here. And Were you a Magic guy back in the day, or, or did you miss out on, on Magic Johnson? Was, it, was that just you were too young for that? I grew up in Flint, and Magic was a couple of years younger than me. I grew up in Flint. Eric Turner, dad, happened to be my high school coach at Flint Central. Ended up starting at Michigan in 75, same year Rick Leach did who was my rival back in, uh, in the Flint days. But I didn't really, I didn't, I didn't make my way to Lansing until I moved here to practice pharmacy, which would have been two years after I graduated from, from university of Michigan. And, and I, and coincidentally, I, I ended up connecting with magic and some of his, uh, some of his group. And, and really it was that relationship that kind of, uh, spawned off and how I developed most of my relationships with the people that I know now. Nice. You know, uh, for Turner, he was uh, the, the first team. It was, I think, Turner and McCormick. They made the NIT, and that was like the first Michigan team I can remember. And, uh, you know, I, I like Turner, man. He was a heck of a player. Yeah, he's a good friend. Dad, uh, see, I saw his dad not too long ago at a golf event. Eric's doing okay. Family lived in the same neighborhood that uh, I grew up in. Yep, he was good. He was good. It was it was uh, it was a happy moment when he decided to commit to the University of Michigan because uh, because that was my alma mater and and I was proud. Still am. Yeah, well, it was kind of a sad moment. I thought he left a year early if he could have stayed around another year. But you know, we go through those things uh, all the time. And I know I look at um, like I'm not the the, the biggest like recruiting fan. I, I follow it. And, you know, I, I like Michigan basketball. We could just talked about, you know, that, that 1980 team with, uh, with Turner and McCormick, but I did whatever it was a month or so ago. I, I, I felt the impact when, when Juwan Howard, man, his two guys, like they, they said all along, there, there were at least enough people that were saying like Isaiah Todd, man, you know, this kid's a five-star, but man, he may bolt for overseas. And I was thinking, Hey, you know what? Maybe he will, maybe he won't, but it felt pretty good. But then when, you know, Juwan was, was coming down on the night for this uh, Joshua Christopher and I'm, I'm watching his video and I'm like, wow, man, like this is really going to be a, this is really going to be a heck of a night. And then in 24, 48 hours, man, it, what a, what a, punch to the gut with both of those guys, you know, taking off and, and not, you know, going to Ann Arbor. Yeah, man, it, it, it turned around that quickly. Um, the, uh, the whole G league thing came out of nowhere and I'm not, I'm not quite sure why it just became a topic or a possibility around that time. Cause it would seem that, uh, it would seem that, that would would have been something in the works, et cetera. But that's when I became familiar with. I hadn't even heard of until then, particularly when it came to uh, this team that they put these kind of elite team comprised of kids coming out of high school and being able to offer them that kind of money. Yeah, there's some other stuff going on with Todd too that kind of kind of cut against him coming to Michigan. 
I know they were they were planning on both of them coming. Otherwise, you don't you don't announce that Jace is going to be his son is going to be a uh, a walk on unless you think you're out of scholarships. They thought they were coming. Uh, they weren't entirely sure what was going to happen with the transfers and stuff. Draft had every indication that Josh Christopher was coming to Michigan too. I'm not entirely sure what what changed there. It might have been. It might have been a pandemic. Who knows? Right. Who knows? Who knows? It's a different. It's a different game, though, for these coaches, man. You don't. You. I. I. I think it. A lesson was learned for by Jawan there, but if you're gonna if you're gonna run the course with these guys and these guys are gonna gonna end up uh, committing late, then geez, you got to be able to take the hit when they don't come, and then. When it comes to the state of affairs and and players and roster turnover, these kids just just disappearing, man. It's it's. I can see I can see kind of why John Beeline decided to go ahead and get out of Dodge. Yeah, well, when you can see uh, Kansas, it looks like they're going to get hit for two or three years. We'll see. I mean, they they've got a mountain of evidence towards them, but I've seen a lot of evidence before. Uh, and I, and I know Zion. He's got not only one or two or you know three kind of lawsuits uh, working against him, counter lawsuits and all of that. And we'll see if uh, uh, if uh, K Teflon Coach K is able to slip out of that one. But man, that's uh, if you're going to get in, there's there's no you know it's amazing that that Izzo and and I guess Beeline before that or Beeline went for you know his own kids. It's amazing that that uh, it seems like Izzo's been able to actually stay as long as he has and and just not get dinged, you know, being a heck being a Hall of Fame and, and having an elite program. Yeah, that's true. He did say uh, right around the time they were talking about the, the name, image, image, and likeness stuff coming out, he said uh, if, if that stuff gets approved, his, his initial response anyway was, that's going to take me out the game. No, it's it was it, now. Now that I think about it, I think it was the the uh, propo- the proposition by Harbaugh, which was uh, that players, every player, should have a right to, to transfer with with impunity, without consequence, at least once. And I want to say that was what Izzo said would would, would force him out the game mm. if that if that became the state of affairs. But you're right, man. Uh, you know, it looks like they got the goods against Kansas. It's a matter of the will that the NCAA had. And the NCAA is essentially saying, hey, Kansas, uh, you're either lying or you're stupid. <laughs> and and Kansas is, I don't know if you were, if you followed that, but Kansas is essentially saying, we didn't know what these what these folks from Adidas were doing. Well, and Well, I do know that I didn't see the transcript, but I have heard people that have – I'd either listen to or have a transcript of the Curtis Townsend uh, wiretap, you know, where he's essentially, you know, lamenting, yeah, we lost Zion, you know, that sucks, but what's it going to take to, you know, to get Bowen or whatever it was? So, yeah, I mean, it's, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty clear there. It's, it's hard to get any wiggle room if you're, you're Bill Self to say, yeah, you know, I, I know I was wearing that run DMC outfit, you know, on uh, March Madness and everything. I mean, it looks, it looks pretty bad for him. You know, you know, the final thing, you know, I just, when I saw the Julius transfer, I didn't like that. They had had such a, a run here of some guys like, like Derek Walton, the, the first couple of years. I mean, the Julius reminded me of him by the time Walton was a, a senior, man, he was really nice. And, and Xavier Simpson, man, I thought he was afraid. I thought he was in over his head. You know, when he was a, a freshman, he looked like he was scared to have the ball. And we know how he uh, ended up, uh, you know, maturing and, and developing. And I was thinking the same thing. DeJulia showed some of those signs. I wouldn't have been surprised if he would have stayed around and, you know, been the, you know, the player that Simpson and, and Walton were. Xavier, a little different with Xavier. Walton, Walton started at least three years. I want to – I can't recall if he started as a freshman. I don't know if he started as a freshman. He may have started as a freshman. But, uh, and Xavier started three years, too. So it's different, man. As these guys, I don't, I don't, I can't say the Julius is going to be ready, was, was going to be starting for Michigan next year. Mm. And that speaks more to some inadequacies in his game 
than anything else. And then maybe even some concerns about coaching and role and all that kind of stuff. They, uh, they just don't want to stick around, especially want to stick around as juniors without some kind of promise towards or encouraging signs towards getting starting. Mm. You see that also when it comes to players leaving for the pros. Isaiah, Isaiah Livers right now is a guy that his, his options are going to the league, taking a chance, and coming back to Michigan as a senior. You know, how many, how many folks, you look around, you see, how many folks do you see playing four years of college ball? One reason is because, then, and there's, one reason is because they don't necessarily, they got pro options, which is cool. Go get the money, I suppose, if you can. Especially if you don't, if you don't covet or value getting a degree. Another reason, though, is the stigma associated with uh, sticking around for four years. Yeah. You, you must really suck. If you're hanging around four years, and the last thing a player wants to do is admit that they suck. Well, um, well, it's like they want to show that they have a little bit of a ceiling as well, and there's some intrigue there. And if you stay around four years, it's like, man, this guy's right. He's he's hit his ceiling, and it is. Yep. It, it, it works against him. So, yeah, uh, it's it's a game we love, <laughs> whether it's going to be in college or, or watching the G League or whether we're watching the – you know, Mad Ants or something like that, or, or the Wolverines <laughs> and Spartans. Who knows, man? Who knows? Well, you know what, Mark? Uh, I'm going to have to have you again on, on All-Star Weekend because uh, I feel like we could probably talk for, you know, two hours straight, not just ten minutes. That's right, man. You know me, man. We've been talking for a while. We, we got all kinds of stuff to talk about. You yeah. just let me know. You just let me know. All-Star Weekend. That All-Star what? All star guests, you're you're an all star. Yeah. <laughs> I was right. I was work I'm workshopping the name, you know, sit in all star weekend, you know, beatniks, uh, a lot of different things. But I always appreciate your time. It's great to talk with you. Uh, hope your family's doing great, and it'd be nice to actually see your face one of these, uh, you know, months or or years. And that's what we all hope. We'll get there. It won't be too long. I tell Dennis I talked to you. He got uh, a warmer start right now. Well, yeah, he's one of my favorites uh, as well. You tell Dennis, see. Uh, you got, said, got you got to do the you got to do the direct approach. <laughs> <laughs> hey, well, next time maybe we can get uh, both all stars on the line. That that'll really be uh, a session. Yeah, I I would really like that. Okay, we'll we'll line that up. Thanks, Mark. We appreciate right, it. And, and tell Dotman that either they're the fake one or the real one <laughs> online. I said, what's up? I'll do that. Take care, man. All Bye-bye. right, see ya. There he is, Mark in Lansing, all-star number two. And so this is not going bad, at least uh, from my perspective. We are ready to head out to Livonia, where I went to high school for four years. And I'm hoping somebody picks up named Chuck. This is his number. It's the three rings. Uh, This was one of the things. I do have some filler material. Material and well, is is this Chuck and Livonia? This is Chuck and Livonia. Hey Chuck, thanks for uh, for joining me. This is Good Afternoon with Dennis Fithian, Detroit Sports Podcast. But I know you know that because I I lined this up. How you doing? Good man. How are you doing today? I'm doing great, man. I'm, I'm having fun here on this uh, All Star Weekend, and that's what I'm calling it. I'm bringing in All Star guests to. You know, talk a little sports with with none going on. And and Chuck, I know that you are a, a big time fan of of the high school game. And I wanted to ask you, like, you know, we say this all the time, like, you know, there's there's high school coaches and everything else, but if you get the right coach, even in high school, what a difference that can make. Because, uh, like I said right before I called you, I I went to Livonia Franklin, and I know you know that team well. And they brought a coach in a couple of years ago in Kelbert, Chris Kelbert, and man, he has uh, he has turned things around and and I don't know, put them on the map or they've Livonia Franklin, the Patriots got some high school football recognition. Yeah, you know, um, in recent years he's he's looked like he's turned the program around, but he's been there eighteen years, and it's kind of that tried true. Um, you know, saying that goes, uh, you know, when you hit it big, it's like, oh, you, you know, this, you, this is, you know, you're lucky. But he's been putting his work in for, for 18 years. He started under Rick Lee, who took over um, 
in the nineties, uh, after Armin Vigna. And, you know, he started as an assistant, worked his way up, finally got a shot, and then, you know, he took some lumps his first, you know, few seasons, you know, winning one and two games, but you know, he 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 knew that building a program started in the little league and he he uh knew he had kids that were coming up and uh or at least that was the plan. He had one at the you know, around uh 05 is when they, you know, made that nice run and they went nine and oh the first uh, big playoff run. And uh, that was actually the first year I got involved was 05. I was sitting on the sidelines and they needed one to, to run the chains. And one of the coaches I knew just picked me out of the crowd. I was standing on the fence and that's how I got started with the program. And I just been, uh, you know, as far as coaching, but it, it, it takes all, it takes uh, parents, it takes uh, coaches, it takes a whole community to really build a program and, uh, you know, Livonia is kind of one of those, uh, there's other school, other cities like that, but we got three big schools and we all got pretty decent programs in a lot of our sports, but yeah, w- you know, working with Chris has been great over the years. And, uh, you know, I put, uh, I put my time in because it, it doesn't feel like effort. So I'm there every game, every Friday night, setting up the chain gang, you know, just doing my volunteering, whatever I can do to help out the team you know, behind the scenes, obviously I'm not a coach or anything like that, but whatever I can do is, uh, to help Chris build the program, build a legacy. And I, I know I'm thinking he's, he's well on his way to doing that. Yeah. I always thought it worked against, uh, all of on your schools, you know, back in the day, like when you went to junior high, they didn't have football or basketball. You had to go and you had to pay and, and, and play for whatever it was called JC's or whatever else. But in recent years, I guess you even have to pay in high school, so maybe that's even the even things out a little bit for a, a district like Livonia and others. You think that's true? Um, yeah, I I think back uh, when they had junior high football and and they they still have some sports. They have, they have uh, in Livonia they have you know basketball, wrestling, um, and, and they don't have base. They have basketball and wrestling's kind of been the two, but like the bigger ones, football and baseball, you know, they've outsourced, but back. You know, when they had all three, four sports, uh, there's a lot more population in Livonia. So, obviously, you know, cities change over the years, over the decades, and um, I, that might be the only thing that, that has changed. Uh, pay to play, you know, there's also a lot of, you know, hockey was also big back in the day, and it's, it's Livonia, you know, no one plays really high school hockey unless you're, um, you know, if you're really talented, you're going to the juniors or you're playing some kind of travel or something like that. So, I don't know. In football, um, you know, I, I think it was. I think it actually helped them because they can uh, get more coaches on staff. Um, Grant, you do have to pay to play, but uh, I think overall, long haul, if you have a junior program that is working with that high school at seeds, I think it helps, and you can see that. Um, the Catholic schools, you can see that in other districts, uh, Plymouth, you know, you know, probably across the state. So, Hey, Chuck, give me a, a story here. I, it was a very sad story, but then a very poignant one that I saw, whatever, it was a couple weeks, a month ago now, where a legendary coach there at Livonia, Armin Bigna, who he passed away, and then within hours his, his wife passed away as well. And uh, it was COVID-19 and Livonia, they, they turned on all the lights of the football stadium and people went to their cars and drove to the parking lot and, and paid their respects uh, to a guy there that had been involved in, in high school football for so very long. And I know this, that I remember Vigna when I went to, to high school there, I only made it up to to junior high, so I didn't, or uh, junior varsity, so I didn't play for Vigna. But what I remember about him is you, you looked in the yearbook, and his yearbook photo, even like uh, in the late 80s, looked like it was taken in the 50s. Like he had his first photo taken, and that was the same one that was in uh, the yearbook. But uh, tell me a little bit about uh, Armin Vigna. You know, that, that's a great picture because I, I, I think I have three years of, of pictures and, and you, and you could go back to the 75 team and they look the same, you know, some from 87. So yeah, you know, that's true. It's just kind of like who he was. He was always, uh, himself. He was, he was direct. 
but he wasn't he wasn't mean. You know, he he needed to tell you what what you needed to hear at the time when you needed to hear it. So, you know, my my Armin story was he 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 was also a, a counselor and a teacher. And when I was there, he was a counselor, but he wasn't. You know, they had like certain um, you know uh, number or certain names that you were you know if you're R through you know Z, then you had this counselor. He wasn't my counselor, but he called me in Monday morning before this was my junior year before the week of uh for playing Farmington Harrison and he goes hey I watch you first he goes get down to the locker room early he goes I'm going to give you a jersey you're going to be uh number number six for the whole the whole uh whole the whole week of practice you're going to be on the practice squad and you're going to you're going to be this number six on Harrison and I'm like okay cool and um come to come to find out it was you know, Brian Smolinski, who ended up, you know, playing at Michigan State, mm. you know, he's, he's on the Harrison, you know, all off century team. And, and I had no idea. So I took a whole, but the reason why he, I don't know why he picked me is, you know, I was just a skinny little junior, 160 pounds. And this dude was, you know, 180 pounds, you know, D1 player. But I think what it was was he, he, he saw the best. He, he tried to bring the best out of everybody. So, he put me to the, to the occasion, you know, to the, he, he put me in a position to, to make something, to do something. And maybe that set up my, my senior year. I don't know, but, but you know, that's what, who he was. He was always that guy that, that wanted to get something out of you, something a little more. He knew he, he, he could get a little more out of you if he said something or did something or, or at least put you in the position to win. That's what I liked about him. I love it. I love the story. And I know we're, uh, getting close to things opening up here in the spring or summer. And I know you're involved in, in carpentry. I know that I've seen a lot of your work on, uh, on Instagram or, or Facebook. You do tremendous work building staircases, uh, anything. I saw some planter boxes and things that you've been working on. So anybody listening to the podcast here, that's thinking about getting some deck work or anything, they should connect, uh, uh, contact me and I'll put you in, in touch with, uh, with Chuck in Livonia. And we'll, uh, we'll make that happen. Hey, all the best, Chuck. Thanks for being an all-star this weekend, and we'll have to do it again. Hey, thanks, Danny. It was great. Have a great day. Hey, you too. There he is, Chuck in Livonia, joining us here on this uh, all-star weekend. And coming up next, uh, let's do a little George Kill. <clears throat> That's not him. Good afternoon. And Al Kaline, uh, we had our trivia question. And what was that? What was that question? Uh, well, George, uh, who was the last Tiger outfielder to win the gold glove? Al Kaline, a, a fine question, and we'll head out to Pinckney. And uh, Dan and Pinckney will have that answer for us. That's where we're going right Whoa. now. Good afternoon, Dennis. <laughs> Good afternoon, Dan. What a – what a Dan from, Dan from Pinckney, sir. What a great voice, you know, to, to hear. You. It's kind of a, you know, a little bit of a, a blast from the past. But you know what, Dan – we, you and I go back to the Ann Arbor days, but you would still, I would say, um, I don't know, once every four or five months, maybe six months, you would, you would, you would jump in in Detroit on the weekend once in a while. Yes, I would stir things up a little bit. I'd, I'd agree with that. I still have uh, very strong sports opinions. By the way, uh, very nice podcast yesterday with or the other day podcasting with Mike Wicket. It was good to hear his voice and. Uh, I was. It was interesting to hear you guys debate a little bit about, you know, you you talking about history and him talking about bring strong opinions and, uh, well, you both. I thought you both did that very well. Well, thanks, Dan. You know, it was always one of those things. I got in and thought, man, you're going to work in Ann Arbor. You better know what happened. Uh, you know, back at 1901, and you better know <laughs> about the Mad Magicians and everything. And, and Wicked would know about what happened three years ago, and I, it would really frustrate me. But he had he had an opinion on you know what he thought, uh, who he thought the quarterback should be, and and uh, you know it's really worked out for him. It, it's it's what people want that you know they want strong opinions, and uh, of course you, you having a little history doesn't hurt either. No, he's the Pete Franklin of his time. So, <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what struck me about you, Dan, is like uh, I've seen you online over the years, and. You know, you 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 coaching, and you're involved in you know high schools and everything, and and you, you know you have all these uh, you know these great kids, and it just seems like man that this is exactly 
you know, what you get into coaching for, you know, and, and, yeah. and helping out the youth and everything. But sometimes you get on the radio, like you're saying, man, you're pretty opinionated on all sports and, and, and you were able to walk that line pretty good. Well, you know what, I'll, I'll tell you this, I, you know, I'm not always right. And I'm not always wrong. Um, uh, one of the original cast members of the Beatniks back in the day on, uh, on WTKA and along with Dave Hockman and the late Glenn Davis, who, uh, we all really miss, but, uh, yeah, I mean, <clears throat> that was fun. It was fun getting on the air. I, Dennis, I've been calling I've been calling sports talk radio stations since probably back in the 1970s. I've, I've been I've been calling and expressing my opinion for a very long time. I didn't know there was sports talk in the 70s. You know, the first <laughs> sports talk that I remember at all was Sunday night. Mitch Album would do mm-hmm. a show, and he would have. Um, you know, Mick McCabe calling at the end with the high school athlete of the week. And, you know, Mitch, I don't know if he was on for two hours or something, but as soon as I listened to it, I was like, wow, this is awesome. But, man, when I was in college, I didn't even know there 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 was such a thing, but it was just, and then it just kind of exploded at where, yeah, uh, you know, then it really it kinda, came around. It, it, it exploded everywhere else, and then it kind of whimpered here a little bit, which is kind of a shame, so – yeah, well, you know what? You have so many different opportunities, like things like mm-hmm. uh, I love I love the radio, but I was. Uh, do you listen to podcasts? I know you. you yes, listen, I, you listen fact, to them. I do. I was just going to tell you, I've I've kind of been a non-radio listener lately. I mean, I, I subscribe to the podcast, and by the way, I've subscribed to yours. Uh, I'll give it a five star rating as soon as we're done here, and. Uh, <laughs> And, uh, yeah, kind of like that's, that's my go-to right now is I, I, I pick and choose the personalities and the broadcasters I like to listen to, and uh, I'll listen to them. I, and, and you are certainly in that category of someone that I'm subscribed to. Well, one thing, man, if it's the content, it's the, it's the kind of uh, talk you like, uh, depending on who it is, man, you, you can get it three, four times a week, and uh, you can get it for hours at a time, and it – you know, it's it's definitely a, a nice option to have there. I'm with you. You know, for people that are are listening and like, what's he talking about? The Beatniks. This goes back to uh, well, even before I was working in Ann Arbor. But uh, I, I don't know if it was uh, Karst that started it or it was uh, who's the guy that uh, Dave Harbison was that his name? The Harbison started. Dave Harbison was there too. Yeah, I mean, it kind of goes back to Deep Brand, but uh, uh, who actually who actually brought it out first but yeah i mean all those guys in the in the interim kept it going too so um yeah and it was i mean the first original panelists i mean uh, i mean you couldn't have three more opinionated sports fans and i guess the, the the genesis of the show or the reason for the show was to give regular people kind of a, a voice instead of just being uh, you know a caller or a listener to actually you know give them the platform for an hour hour and a half and and, and kind of let them, you know, express themselves kind of like what they would be doing in everyday life, at, you know, at the pub or whatever. Yeah. Good it, show. It, it really was. Good show. Yeah. So you guys would go in studio and you guys would sit around and, and talk about all of it. Yeah. I didn't know the, the credit going to Jeff DeFran, the, the Hall of Famer. <laughs> Who I uh, I would see and I've, I've been calling him a, a Hall of Famer for the the last year and having good fun uh, with yeah. him. So, well, you know, the, the final thing here, Dan, I wanted to ask you about, like, uh, so all of that, uh, you know, I met you through a radio in Ann Arbor, but one time you, you won a contest and it was, uh, it was an RV trip to Iowa to see Michigan take on Iowa. And so we drove all the way there to Des Moines and, and then, uh, you know, tailgated and, and we went to the game and, and I was just thinking when I knew I was going to have you on here, it's like, what do I remember about that game? And, there's only a couple things that I remember. One is that I didn't sit in the press box and I sat in the, in the very end zone, like in the first row and just some bleachers. And I can remember mm-hmm. Jason Avant had a good game, but, and I think Michigan won that game, but I, I'm not a hundred percent sure. What do you remember about that? I, I think they did on a, on a last second. I think you're right. Jason Avant touchdown, but uh, I also remember that trip. And uh, I, you know, I, I, by the way, I, I do have to, I mean, I gotta, I gotta also tell you, um, my wife, who, uh, much like Mike Wickett, takes care of me tremendously. Um, I'm a kept man, too, now that I'm retired. But <laughs> I'll tell you this, Dennis. Um, you gave her 
the nickname that she has carried throughout her her lifetime. My friends call her the Lotto. Um, my my acquaintances call her the Lotto, and uh, that was uh, a little bit of on air banter that you uh, you bestowed on her. So I got to give you some. I got to give you full credit. I got to give you full credit. Like when I saw your wife, I thought this guy, Dan must, what's he doing? He's must be loaded or like, you know, Dan, you're a nice looking guy and everything, but you know, your, your wife looked like a model. And I thought, wow, man, you really got a lottery ticket there. And uh, that did stick and you know, you do. And so, so nice well, job there. That, yeah. Nice job there. I, I do appreciate that, Dennis. But yes, I, I, I do fondly recall that Iowa trip. That was, uh, that was very nice. Yeah. Well, Dan, we're hoping that uh, whether it's a month, six months, next year, whatever, that we can all get back and, and, and do things like, you know, go to games and, and watch games. And until then, we'll just, uh, we'll talk about them. And, you know, I thought of you and the Beatniks for this all-star weekend and, uh, uh, thanks for being a, a five-star guest. Oh, not a problem, Dennis. I appreciate you being on. I, repre- I appreciate people hearing my voice again and, and you know, participating in, in sports podcasting. I, I, I love that. I love the idea of that. And so, and, and I wish you nothing but success and, and good luck in this adventure. I, I, it's, it's, uh, I, I, it's the, I think it's the wave of the future because that's what people listen to in their cars these days. At least that's what I do. So, and, uh, and I think you've got a great format too. I like the guests and I like the fact that at, at the end, you kind of like bring it around to your own opinions, strong opinions. And that, that's really good, Dennis. And by the way, couldn't agree more with you on the Lions uh, yesterday too. So I think they will jump the bears, but I don't know if it's going to be enough to keep Matt Patricia and Bob Quinn in place. I like it. Well, say hi to the lottery ticket for us. and uh, I will, Dennis. We'll talk with you again soon. Okay, buddy. There he is, Dan and Pinckney. Dan and Pinckney, you know, I, I was uh, budgeting like 10 minutes for the guests, and what I have seen here is I should have budgeted, uh, you know, 20, 30 minutes. Well, this uh, next guest is uh, a man who – Grew up in originally from Dearborn, but he is now in Plymouth, and I've I've never met him, but we are, became friends a long time ago online and on the radio and ticket texting, and there's no bigger sports fan. He hey, Dennis, how's it going? D Crow, how what are up, you? Man? How are you, man? Oh, I'm lovely. How about yourself? Not bad. You know, I was just explaining how, how we met and it was like, um, you know, when, when Twitter was starting out and then through the years when, uh, what I really remember is when the, the Tigers were going with Phil Coke, I would look <laughs> down, I'd be sitting broadcasting, you know, and, and we'd look, we had the, you know, the ticket tech screen and I would look up and I would see, you know, Phil Coke, you know, forever and then i would say you know hashtag decrow like and i would know who it was from but uh you know that's that, that's my first memory and I, and i think like I, I one time i went back at twitter went all the way back to like the the first couple people that i followed you and your gang man like whenever it was 2008 whenever twitter started it was like you were like my first little group you know that that i would talk with so you know it's, it's cool to you know stay in touch all these years later yeah it's um it's always been uh, something that we've appreciated about yourself in regards to, like, you know, interacting and, uh, you know, responding to us peasants as we uh, listen to the, the local radio, uh, pers- uh, you know, personalities. So it's always been really cool that you've, uh, you know, taken time to, like, reach out to, you know, just the regular fans that, you know, listen and, you know, you know show commitment to the, the local teams. But, you know, Phil Coke was a weird dude. And I kind of get I kind of get made fun of. Because I do, I kind of take to certain personalities in regards to sports. And like Phil Coke, he wasn't like an MVP, but, you know, he made his uh, impact on, you know, certain games and then he fell off. But I guess just his quirks and his personality was something that drew me to him. And, you know, sometimes when he came in and made a big out and got all excited, it was just something we drew to. So we thought we would try to prop him up in the media as well. So I hope it worked. Yeah, well, it did. And there's a, a guy I work with um, named Mike Vincent who has worked at the station, mostly behind the scenes. 
uh, over the years, but every time I see him, you know, when, when Coke, every time that there were two outs and somebody <laughs> hit a fly ball, he would point up to the air, like immediately, oh, yeah. you know what I mean? Like, and so we always do that. Like, and so it'd be a Homer sometimes and Coke would be pointing up to the sky. I was like, no, Phil, that one's not going to get caught. And, but, and I know this, that whatever year it was where they went out and he, he was, there would have been no world series. Uh, so it would have been 2012. He was the closer. Like he, he took yeah. it over and, he uh, he saved him in the, in the playoffs uh, against the Yankees. Yep. Saved some of those games, and there would have not been that run if it would not have been for Phil Coke. Yeah, like I like I said, uh, not not that he's a world class Hall of Fame, but um, you know I I can't do what these professional athletes do, and I know sometimes we give them a hard time. But uh, hey, you go on a little bit of a hot streak, you got to give someone their props, especially your local guys. Yeah, so are you like you like your passion for sports is like burns like the intensity of a you know a hundred suns. Uh, that's what I found over the years. But like you and you know your your group of friends, like I, I, it's kind of a snapshot of like Detroit sports fans. Man, you guys are into it like you know no tomorrow, right? Yeah, a hundred percent. I guess I want to kind of like pull that back a little bit. You know, like when I was a little bit younger, I'm going to be 38 here next month, but um. I, you know, I don't watch a Lions game on a Sunday. You know, they would blow it in the fourth quarter or whatever. It would ruin my day. <laughs> yeah. Now, now that I'm, you know, I'm married, going on about five years now. I have a son. I can't get all uh, depressed the rest of the day. So I've kind of become a little bit more objective in things. But you know what? Deep down inside, you know, I'm, I'm upset. But you know, you you, you got to put your husband and dad face on and not show it. But yeah, I mean, like anybody, your hometown, you want to most definitely show your show your passion and support for them. Every single one of our sports teams, no matter no win sixteen Lions or you know the way the Pistons and you know the Tigers have been and the Red Wings the last several years, you know you're still going to support them. You still got to have that fire for them. Something most definitely an entertainment thing, but also a release. But you got you got to stay true to you know where you grew up. Yeah, you do have to remember where you come from, or you know if you're a, a fan of the the Lakers and. Patriots. Everybody's, everybody's like, wait a second, that's a, a bandwagon thing. But you know what backfired for me uh, as a stepdad? I came into my kids' uh, lives when uh, when one was four and the other was seven, and they were big-time Lions and Wolverine fans. And on Sundays, it would be like they would get crushed, like they were sad, like, you know, Stafford's throwing interceptions and the Lions are losing. Um, mm. What My wife's sad, you know, the, the kids are depressed. And I just told him, I said, look, you guys, you know, do not, do not get involved with the Lions. You know, they're going to break your heart. And they used to sit there in the first year or two and they would watch the game. But you know what? They took my advice. They went upstairs. They started playing games. They went and talked with their friends. Once in a while, my, you know, my, my stepson would look out and he would watch. And just to see what happened, he went right back into the room uh, and but what happened is they're not sports fans. They're not, they're not Lion fans. They're not NFL fans. So uh, it's, it's, it kind of backfired. They don't, they don't have any passion like for, for sports, which is fine. But, yeah. um, you know, I, I turned them off for, for better or for worse, uh, for the, for the lions and for Michigan football. Yeah. I see, you know, what, something Dennis, you make a good point because like listening to, you know, the ticket when you were there and, um, you know, the different personalities on the show and, and, you know, any, any Detroit, uh, sports radio host or, or columnist, you know, they're all saying, you know, I'm, I'm teaching my I'm teaching my kids not to like the Lions, so it's it's like becoming this like I, I don't want to say dis- disturbing trend, but <laughs> I don't I don't want it to see it like 100 percent to go that way. But it's funny because you do hear a lot of people call call in or make a statement that you know I, I'm not going to allow my kids to, to like the Lions. So um, it would be curious, um, you know, especially after quarantine. I mean, I don't even know who anybody's going to like after the quarantine. Like, there's been no sports. Like, I mean, as people's like point of view in regards to different uh, sports outlets changed. I don't know. I mean, I'm still going to support my teams, but it, it, it'll be curious to see how, how, how people react once, uh, you know, sports get back going. Well, I do think that if they get it back and there's not going to be people at the games, I know the, the ratings for TV and, and radio will be pretty big that way. You know, I, I just think the, the person that got it most right in my family was my stepdaughter who she wouldn't watch the games live because of, you know, just the intensity and she didn't like, you know, the, mm-hmm. the part about losing, but I, sure. I DVR'd a lot of games over the years, whether I was working on a Saturday or something, and I would come back and, you know, I'm just re-watching a lot of games. And if I was re-watching a game, she would sit down and she would say, 
did, did Michigan win or did the Lions win? And I'd say, yeah. And she would stay if they won, she would stay and watch because she knew it was all good. But if, you know, mm-hmm. if it wasn't the result, she was like out of there, you know, ghosted me yeah. pretty quick. So, and you know, she seemed to enjoy, she enjoyed the win. She didn't care that. Uh, in fact, that's what she was looking for. She wanted to know, you know, what the outcome was and then she would watch it and she was all good. And if they lost, she just didn't watch. Is that like a generational thing in regards to like, I mean, not saying I'm like, I don't know where I fall in the millennial or Gen X or Gen, you know, whatever it is. But I mean, I, I, I do see a lot of younger people, not that I'm super old, but younger people like this just don't want, you don't even want to watch the sports on, on TV, especially if your team's bad. But I guess that's been like that throughout the years. Yeah. You know what I, you just mentioned? I, I, I think of you as a millennial or in a 20 something, but now you, you know, you're telling me, you know, you're, you're married and, uh, yeah, you've got a son, and you're a couple of years. You'll be forty. I mean, like, wait yeah. a second, I'm going to be fifty. But yeah, yeah, I mean that that you grew up pretty. You grew up pretty fast. Yeah, insane. <laughs> and no, it's 100 percent insane. I, I like this year. My son was born on May 1st of uh, 2019. The year flew by, and uh, I mean, they don't really understand everything right away. But like, I was hoping the Tigers would be on now, so we can watch some games with me, even though he probably doesn't really know what's going on. But um, yeah, time's been flying, and. Uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's crazy. And, um, you know, hopefully here, like I said, after the quarantine, um, you know, maybe things will get a little bit back to normal and, you know, sports will be on. But, you know, I hope it, it, people don't lose interest in it, especially our, our, our local teams here. I'll tell you what, they'll have some interest until uh, they're out of it, and then the interest drops out. If, if uh, <laughs> You know, if before the quarantine or before the pandemic is any indication, that's how it'll work around here. Well, I have to ask you the question, did – did you dress up like Jay Wright for this uh, radio appearance, or are you just wearing a T-shirt? Well, uh, <laughs> uh, it's funny. Um, me and my uh, a couple of my friends were a big suit guy when it comes to the. Uh, I, I feel like all the NCAA men's basketball coaches always have these like like nasty suit, like like really like pristine, like almost like like mafia suits. And Jay Wright's like one of our favorites. Um, uh, we're a big fan of his suits. My buddy will always text me anytime they're on TV or in the tournament. Um, I, I didn't have an opportunity to put the suit on today because uh, I had to, you know, clean it around the house, watching my kid. And then I forgot, you know, a lot of the local businesses are shut down, so the cleaners were shut down. So I, I, I couldn't pick it up, unfortunately. So I'm in shorts and, uh, you know, a nice little top. That's all right. It's one good thing about radio, man. <laughs> you can sit around flip flops and uh, and uh, your underwear if you want. Yeah, you know the the Jay Wright. I mean, Jay Wright's perfect. You know everything about oh, yeah. Jay Wright seems perfect. You know whose suit? Just last year, kind of jumped out at me was uh, was Tom Izzo. He was wearing Patricia? like these. No, uh, <laughs> no, but Tom Izzo. He wore that like I don't even know what you'd call it, like a Scottish plaid blazer or whatever. And I was like, yeah. uh, I, I, I liked it. I thought it was a good look yeah. for him. Yeah, Tom Izzo can sometimes be uh, a little old school, like a, like a history uh, professor with his suits and stuff. But yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. He can sometimes pull it off, and I, I would assume that's probably his like doing. Hey, well, give me, uh, to, to wrap it up, give me how work's yeah. going, what you're doing there, and what that outlook looks like. I, I'm not even sure what you do. Yeah, so, um, you know, fortunately, uh, you know, 30 million people unemployed. I have been fortunate in regards to uh, uh, the industry that I work in it, to be working, even if, even if I'm working, you know, five, you know, six, seven days sometimes. But um, I do work in the mortgage industry at a local company here in Detroit. Everybody probably knows what it is. Um, I'm on the, uh, I, I do government underwriting. So basically in regards to uh, uh, approval of uh, residential mortgages. So I've been doing that for uh, about nine years in July. And is business, how's business through the pandemic? It's still going. Well, it, it, you know what, honestly, uh, I think a lot of people are worried about that. At the end of the day, in regards to the ins and outs of the industry, I'm, I'm probably not uh, the expert on that. But we've been busy, you know. Um, uh, constantly working on things, you know, helping people uh, get into homes and stuff like that. So it, it, it's been going really well, knock on wood, and I hope it does continue. Me too. Well, all the best to your family. You ever see Banker or anything or, or, or be in contact with him? <laughs> he was one of the guys, man. He's he's a real all-star in my book, man. I, that guy's a character. Yeah, Rob Banker, <laughs> or what is it, at Rob Diddy on Twitter. Or whatever, That's right. If you guys want to look him up, uh, sorry for any of his content. But, um, yeah, I speak to him, uh, you know, daily or every other day. Uh, He's one of the people that um, most definitely uh, is unemployed because he worked in the gym industry, personal trainer and stuff like that. But uh, no, he's uh, he's always active. We're always talking sports. I, I think he's addicted to Call of Duty right now. 
which I don't have time for. Never really have been like a big video game guy, but um, yeah, he's good. He's doing well. Yeah, well, you know what? You say that when he worked uh, in the fitness industry, I would see him online, you know, taking selfies and and and, and throwing up, you know, <laughs> showing his biceps or whatever else. And then there I was, like, so I saw all that, you know, and I would like his posts and everything else, and you know, things like that. But then there was there was one day here I was at the gym. You know, and I've got my headphones on. I'm just walking in, and then he walks right past. You know, and I'm like, and I had never met him before. And I'm like, I wanted to yell, "Rob Diddy," is what I wanted yeah. to, and I didn't. I, I kind of choked. I, I choked. Uh, oh, that that hurts my heart because he would have he would have literally been in heaven. Well, I don't know if he knew that it was me or not, or if it was just me, and you know, it was just a quick glance there, and then you know, sometimes it takes a second to to snap in. But then I was like, there he is. But then I was already. You know, heading into the locker room, and then I didn't see him afterwards. So, uh, you yeah. know, ho- hopefully one day, you know, the the gyms will be back open, and uh, you know, I'll be able to see a guy like. Uh, yeah, like, and, and like you said, even though even though you choked, uh, <laughs> the fact that you saw him, and once he hears about that, you'll probably make his day. So, that it, most definitely, he'll be excited about that. You know what? It's like Phil Coke, man. You give up a homer, and if they don't come get the ball, you got to, you know, dial it in and, and get the next batter. And I'm on to the next batter. You know what I mean? Point to the sky. That's it. I'm pointing right now. You can't see it because it's a podcast. But, D-Crow, it, it was great. You did a great job. And uh, yeah, thanks for being an all-star here this weekend. Hey, hey I just want to say, Dennis, th- hey, thanks for having me on. It's really cool that you just have, uh, you know, some normal dude like me just coming on here. Um, it's been a pleasure and uh, most definitely looking forward to, uh, you know, keeping up with your podcast moving forward. Hey, thanks. We'll talk again soon. Be good. All right, brother. There Bye-bye. he is. D Crow originally from Dearborn and now in Plymouth. As you can tell he's a good guy. Yeah. Thanks to Raj and Pontiac, Mark and Lansing, Chuck and Livonia, Dan and Pinckney and D Crow now in Plymouth. I did want to say, I'm going to talk a little bit about a couple of things that are going on, some of the headlines in sports. One, I saw a post from Bryce Harper this morning, something I wanted to say about that. But before I, I get to that, I'm bringing in a, some people from the you know past over the years in, in radio, and there's one person I just wanted to recognize, and his name is uh, Kent, Kent Sheets, Kent from Ann Arbor, who used to call a sh- uh, WTKA back when I worked there and Kent was a a guy that went to Purdue. He was a huge baseball fan, huge college basketball fan. And it was always, he was going to, you know, work, he was going to work Purdue in there and he was going to work something about the Cubs in there, but he liked the Tigers too. But yeah, Kent passed away a a couple months ago and I hadn't seen him in a couple years, but man, he was uh, as good a caller and as good a guy as uh, and you know, I'd see him over the years sometimes just go out to an appearance at a bar and you know, stay after and, and watch some games. And you know, so that's how you end up meeting people, right? And in, in this business, if when it's coming down, you're communicating and you know, just, just talking with people. And, and Kent was somebody that would watch college basketball games with me. And you know, I thought I knew him pretty well, but then when he passed away, you know, I looked at his uh, obituary and, and Kent was like, uh, you know, just uh, I knew he was involved in teaching, but man, all the awards and how distinguished he was. I was like, wow, man, Kent, Kent from Ann Arbor. What a, uh, what a great guy. And you think, you know, somebody and in a good way uh, at the end, I I find out, you know, just how accomplished he was uh, in his field. So uh, I'll, I'll dedicate the, the first all-star weekend to Kent Sheets. Rest in peace. Now, Kent likes baseball. He would enjoy at least thinking about things that are going on on the diamond. And I know that Blake Snell, his uh, comments this week have been getting a lot of attention, and rightfully so, when he has a contract worth $7 million, but then, you know, thinking about just getting half of that and then even less. You know, he, he wanted his money. Wanted his money. I'm paraphrasing something along that. I'm out to get mine. However, he said it. But and then in the the same uh, couple quotes that he had, he was also like, uh, "Yeah, but I'm worried about my long term health with this." So, but he it seemed like, well, you know, where you you're worried about your long term health if you get your seven million, but not your million and a half or two million. So, yeah, I mean, it wasn't the it was, they weren't the greatest comments. He could have done a lot better, but. He, uh, 
he's going to have to talk a lot more about that because he, he came off just a little bit uh, as, uh, as somebody that's kind of missing the boat. Uh, but I do appreciate a candor, and he did have that. Let's we'll see how much he's going to follow it up here in the days and weeks ahead. But Bryce Harper, also somebody who is um, apt to throw some opinions out there, and he threw something up. I, I think it's on Instagram. It's what it looks like here and he says beyond the health and safety which comes first for all players and families he gets that about the season this is uh, his post here but he said this is what he's thinking about and he went through july august and all the way to november and his proposal is because the major league baseball proposal was to play 82 games he was putting out 135 games that the players could could get in it's a lot more games. Of course, that'd be a lot more money for the players, too. But this is the thing that caught my eye. He says, off day every two weeks on a Monday and Sunday, double header, seven innings. That's the one that caught my eye. Because a couple years ago when Manfred was uh, talking about all the different changes in the game, like, um, you know, everything, all kinds of different proposals, the one – and it seemed like one of the big things for Manfred was speeding up the game, pitch clocks, all kinds of different things, you know, but I always said, Hey, you really want to, uh, you really want to speed up the game. Let's see some seven inning games. I watch college baseball. They have double headers Saturday and Sunday. A lot of times seven innings. There you go. I, I like the idea. If they come back, of course, it's what we'll see if it's uh, you know, health and safety of the players and families and everything. But then after that, talking about a season, I would like to just see how it would look. Sunday, doubleheader, seven innings, and let's go. Yeah, I know. The television contracts, that's missing a lot of advertising through, you know, innings eight and nine. And maybe you could make that up in between games. Maybe you can have a little extended pregame and postgame. But let's see it there. Let's see some uh, – I, I like the idea. I know I'm talking a lot about one single thing, so let me just hammer it home. I like the idea of a Sunday doubleheader seven innings. What about you? All right, and what about you? You want to be an all-star? Go to the Good Afternoon Twitter page where I'm at there. You can see it uh, linked through at Dennis Fithian if you're on Twitter there, if you or somebody wants to – be an all-star, get in on that. Other than that, you have yourself a great weekend. And, you know, thanks for listening to this podcast. So long.